Lord, we just... We're so thankful. So thankful that we can just worship you. To be able to experience... Just a little of your glory. We're so thankful, Father. He's just so good. just pray that you would cause each heart to be so captivated by you that you create such a hunger in our hearts for more of your presence. Lord, that every person in this place would have a longing in their heart to experience more of your glory, more of your presence. Lord, that touch Lord, there's nothing to compare. Holy Spirit, just touch every heart in the house. Let every person in this place know what it is to experience you. To have that encounter, that touch. That unquenchable thirst, that hunger for more of you, Lord. so good if I had my way I'd just put that on replay there's there's just so much that God wants to share with us about himself It's, it's that that knowing that I, I've just been in the presence of God.
Lord, I just pray that you would captivate every heart in this house. Lord, that you just wrap your arms around every person in this place that they can, they can feel your presence. Lord, that eternal peace that just rules in the heart of those who surrender to you. Say, yes, Lord, have your way in my life. I yield everything. Lord, I don't hold back any area. I ask you to come and have your way in every part of my life that I might know you in a greater way. As Paul cried, Lord, that I might know you. Lord, that you would create such a hunger in our hearts that we just desire more of you. Not satisfied, Lord. Thankful, but not satisfied, Lord. We want more. We want that, 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 that knowledge, that, that tangible, experiential knowledge of your presence. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Wow. If, you, if you're not sure where I'm at, what I'm after, what I'm pursuing, just start practicing the presence of God more. Just, just asking him, Lord, I, I want to experience you more in my daily walk, in things I'm doing, in, in whatever I'm doing, Lord, I, I want to feel your presence. I want to know you're with me. I want to be able to talk with you as my closest friend, the one I just want to spend time with, just to hang out with you, Lord, just another day with Jesus. Wow. Wow. It's... it's um, it's always a challenge for me personally when I'm asked to do an offering teaching because uh, once I start, I don't know when to shut up, do I? It's just, uh, it's so difficult when you, you begin to touch the zone and you long so much to be able to just pass it on to other people, just have a bit of that. When I was um, talking with the Holy Spirit on Friday, I said, look, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm down to do an offering teaching. And uh, he knows the difficulty I have. I mean, it, it's very easy to, to pick scriptures out and, and do an offering because there's so much in the Word about finance because God wants us to just learn to release that to him and let him look after it. Could we come into a place where we can just release our finances into the hands of God to let him look after it? Mm. Anyway, I was, I was speaking with the Holy Spirit and I said, Lord, what would you like me to share? And uh, I heard some, some, some words that sort of, a little bit strange. Oh, well, how does that fit in with an offering teaching? And uh, what I heard was, can you be a Christian and hold wrong motives? 
can you be a Christian and hold on to wrong motives? And I'm still not sure how that fits into an offering teaching. (laughs) But I know that's what I heard. So I just started looking at some scriptures and I guess the reason why that is important is if we are giving, if we are offering something to the Lord in our finances, our our giving, our service, it's very important that we do it with the right attitude, the right motive. Because it says in the Scriptures, you know, if you've got your, your gift you're going to bring to God and you've got something against someone else in the church, something against your brethren, get it right. Leave your gift, go and get the situation sorted out and then come to the Father with your gift. So I guess it fits into that category of the importance of having a right attitude in everything we're doing and a right motive. I I remember when the fire of God touched my life in a way that has changed me forever. Back in 95, the Holy Spirit ignited the fire in my heart. And he burnt up the brushwood. And you know the way to keep the fire burning? Keep yielding the brushwood. And we've all got brushwood. As long as we're living in this planet, we're going to have brushwood. Stuff that's not of God. Stuff that even maybe once may have been a good thing. But now it has no life in it. It's dead. It's stuff that's of no use. It's stuff that's just cluttering up. So we need to have our heart pure before God in everything we're doing if we want to be moving from glory to glory. And that's one of the areas we've been talking a little bit about, the realms of glory and experiencing more of the realms of glory. And one of the essential parts of that lifestyle is to be continually presenting ourselves as a living sacrifice unto him, holy, acceptable to him. Well, we can't produce our holiness. All we can do is surrender what we have and say, Lord, let your fire burn. (laughs) Lord, burn up anything in me that's not of you. I don't want anything in my heart that's hindering the way God wants to work in me or reveal things to me or show me things. So I just say, have your way, Lord, whatever. Attitudes and motives became um, very, very important to me when the fire of God started burning up all the rubbish. I, I remember so clearly, and I preached on it a lot, about the motive, why we're doing things. And then, as we're doing it, to have a right attitude. So important. Why am I giving a gift? And is my attitude right in doing that? 
It's all connected. If we truly want to be honoring him with all the honor that he deserves. See, I I don't believe we can bring a gift of honor if our heart is not right before him. And I don't think our heart can be right before him if we don't honor one another. And that's also why it says get it right with your brother, your sister, anyone before you come to me with some gift. I want your attitude right. I want you to be walking in honor. I, I spoke a little bit on that a little while back about one of the aspects of glory is that we honor one another. I believe it is critical to revival coming into this house. Honor. Honoring one another. Honoring him. Honoring those out there. Honor, 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 honor. I believe it is so important in our lifestyle to honour one another. That means having a really good attitude towards other people. Oh, but you don't know. Look, honour, please. Just We can find so many excuses and the enemy will give you plenty of reasons why you should hang on to something. But why does he do that? Because he's trying to rob you of what God wants to fill you with. If we understand what's going on in the thoughts that are coming from the enemy, it's a rip-off trying to stop us from entering into more of the glory, to be able to see another layer of the glory of God. Truly, I believe the most important thing we can do in this house, if we want to see revival, is to honour one another. Really begin to love, to express a heart of, of diversity in love. We can love people who are different. We can. We really can. It doesn't, see, honor doesn't mean that we have to agree with everybody, but it means that we honor them. We don't slander them, we don't talk negatively about them. If we can get our tongue under control, God says, you've made it. (laughs) That little spark that can set a bushfire just with that that one word. Oh, Lord, I'm sorry. We need to be so quick to say, Lord, forgive me. Help me get this thing under control. Help me to recognize your presence in everything I say. Help me to be so conscious of what your wanting to do in my life and the lives of those around me that I will not offend the Holy Spirit, that he can move through me the way he wants to and see that honour that is one-to-one this way, operating this way, beyond the walls of this room, into other churches maybe that don't think the way we think and don't do the way we do, Time's up, got to sit down. (laughs) I can. Shut the book, sit down. I want you to look at a verse in Philippians. Philippians chapter 1, and I'm reading from 
the Passion Translation. And Paul is in prison at the time. It's good that he went to prison. He had some time off to write some letters. And we get the benefit of it. And in verse 15, Philippians chapter 1, it says, It is true that there are some who preach Christ out of competition and controversy, for they are jealous over the way God has used me. That's preachers preaching against other preachers. Serious lack of honour. What's the motive behind it? Think about that. Many others have purer motives. They preach with grace and love filling their hearts because they know I've been destined for the purpose of defending the revelation of God. Those who preach Christ with ambition, and some translations say with selfish ambition. Can you imagine that? Being in a church where the preacher is preaching out of selfish ambition. I'd find another church, but that's just me. Those who preach Christ with ambition and competition are insincere. They just wanted to add to the hardship of my imprisonment, trying to make Paul feel even worse being in jail. Yet, in spite of all of this, I am overjoyed for what God... What does it matter as long as Christ is being preached? If they preach him with mixed motives or with genuine love, the message of Christ is still being preached and I will continue to rejoice. Now that was a personal attack against Paul from other preachers, preaching stuff to try and make Paul feel even worse, preaching against Paul, against a ministry who God's anointed, serious lack of honour, and Paul says, what the heck? As long as Christ is being preached, I'm going to rejoice. Can you see honour in that? Can you see the enemy being so frustrated that that big shot that he fired at Paul didn't even penetrate? I, I, I really would love when the enemy don't penetrate and I still walk in honour because I'm so hungry for the presence of God and for the glory of God. I don't care what else happens as long as he is glorified. If we get, like I've said, if we get enough people all hungry, more hungry for him than their own selfish ambition, than their own my rights, than my, I'm entitled, forget about all that stuff and say, Lord, I'm just so hungry for you. I'll leave everything else in your hands and I'll just surrender my heart to you and here's my gift of thanks for everything you've done. 
Look, I had a whole lot of other stuff there I was going to share, but I'm not going to go there. Because I want to hear what Tim has to say. That you're getting the picture. So if you truly want your gift to be accepted by him, and by the way, you can't outgive him. You just try. So if you want that acceptance of what you offer to him, if you want that praise of your heart accepted, if you want that honour, then come on. Let's just recognise that if we truly love one another, God can't help himself. It's just like, oh, come on, let me wrap my arms around you. Let me just bring a few things your way. Father, we just thank you for your word, as limited as it was. But Lord, we want you so much to have your way in our hearts. We want our gifts to be acceptable to you. That as we bring a gift to you in obedient faith, we know that you are going to be the one who looks after all of our finances. As we surrender that to you, you will be the one in charge of all. Lord of all, Lord of every concern, our provider, our true love. Thank you, Holy Spirit. You're so good. Hallelujah. might have heard me say this before. You know, somebody comes up to you and says, what do you think of my haircut? I said, well, it's interesting. <laughs> it's not offensive, is it? It's just interesting. I want to share some things this morning just about life and about God's timing in when he steps into our life because all through scripture there are suddenlies all through scripture people have just been doing life doing life doing life and then suddenly God intervenes God steps in you know God said let there be light and there was light do you think that might have been a suddenly you know, the scientists sort of uh, try and explain a, a big bang. Well, I reckon there was a big bang. God spoke. Bang. Away we came. But further down the track, after he had created all that he created, he worked with his creation. So Amos chapter 3, verse 7 says, Surely the Lord does nothing unless he reveals the secret to his servants, the prophets. So there is a lot in Scripture, and God says, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this. He tells his people. The timing of when he does things is totally in God's control. When's Jesus coming back? They asked Jesus. We said, well, I don't know. The Father knows. Everything of God's timing is in his hand. Now, he tells us what he's going to do. You know, he told Daniel what he was going to do right at the very end. And you think, well, what was the point of that? Well, we get the benefit of, 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 of reading, don't we? We get the benefit of reading. So he tells us what he's going to do. And then when it's his timing, he does what he's going to do. 
So Noah preached for 120 years. What were the people doing? They were doing life. Now, they weren't doing it very well, which was the issue. They were doing it very poorly, but they were doing life. They were marrying and giving in marriage, the Bible says, until the flood came and took them all away. And the Bible also says, as in the days of Noah, so shall it be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. So we get a picture of what's going to happen there. But Noah preached for 120 years. They paid no attention. They took no heed to what he was saying. Noah was doing life. I wonder what they thought the ark was. Probably not a boat, because... You know, why do you build something that's big on dry land, nowhere near water? I mean, really. But they didn't listen to what Noah was saying, and then suddenly, rain came. <laughs> suddenly. Now, Moses spoke to Pharaoh time and again, let my people go. And, you know, those close to Moses may have had some of the details of, of, of actually what was, was happening there. And if you, if you look at, you know, scholars, um, they've, they've, they've looked at the time period with those ten plagues and there's, a, there's quite a disparity of, of how long, you know, they thought that, that might have been. It might, might, might have been over a 12-month period or, you know, shorter than that, obviously. But um, so, you know, there, was, there, were, there were things happening there. And, you know, some knew what was happening, maybe those close to Moses, and some maybe not so much, because there was a lot of people there, wasn't there? There were in the millions of, of people in the, in, the, in the nation of Israel. So what were they doing? They were doing life. And, and life wasn't much fun. It was as a slave, you know, building your bricks. Great. And, you know, they had their expectations. At times, they had their expectations heightened because, you know, Moses was the deliverer and he was going in and he said to Pharaoh, let my people go. And, you know, Pharaoh would say, oh, yeah, okay. And then he'd change his mind. So maybe the expectation of the people of Israel were heightened at times and then, and then they were dashed. So they got, their, they got their hopes up and then, oh, here we are again. Next day, out we go, make some more bricks. And then suddenly, <laughs> tenth plague came to the tenth plague, and they said, "Right, pack up, get ready. Tomorrow we're out of here." It was the suddenly of God. All that time, all those hundreds of years in bondage, and then suddenly. And you know, we do life, don't we? We we get up and we do what we do, and finish the day and go to bed and get up and do it all again. And sometimes we think, wow, oh, you know, what's this all about? <laughs> you know, there's lots of Old Testament examples of, 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 of oppression, that things seem hopeless, and then, and then there'll be a suddenly, and then God will step in, God will move, and things turn around. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. Now, this, uh, this account has a little bit of a, a Christmas flavour because we've got a Christmas tree. And, uh, and I do see there are um, some presents under the tree. Um, thank you very much for those people who have um, have, 
have donated a present, and they're going to go to our Southern Cross kids' um, families, uh, children, um, and uh, that'll be an absolute blessing uh, for them. I think there's a little... Is there a little tree out on the... Yeah, there's a little tree there. I think there's still some tags on there. It'll say boy or girl, because that's all there is, boys and girls. Um, and um, it'll, have, it'll have a... Um, <laughs> sorry, I couldn't, couldn't help myself. <laughs> and it'll have an age there, okay? So if you would like to, um, to do something in that regard, please feel free. So Luke chapter 1. And uh, and verse 26. Now, there's a few passages I'm going to read here, so let's just uh, jump into Luke chapter 1, verse 26. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! Highly favoured one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled. Oh, duh. At the saying, and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favour with God. <laughs> and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son, and he name shall be called Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever and his kingdom will have no end. <laughs> then Mary, Mary's very practical, then Mary said to the angel, how can this be since I do not know a man? <laughs> she knew how it worked. Sort of, you know, no, she's not going to have a baby. Um, verse 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore... The Holy One who is to be born shall be called the Son of God. Now, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative has also conceived a son in her old age. A little bit of encouragement for, uh, a, um, for Mary because that was a miracle in itself. And this is now the sixth month of her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Hallelujah. Then Mary said, Behold, maidservant of the Lord, <laughs> let, it be to be, let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. That's a powerful story. You know, we, we read that and we think, oh, yeah, yeah. the angel came and Mary yeah, said, yeah, right, okay, let's do that. Can you put yourself in Mary's shoes for, for a second? Hello? What was Mary doing? She was doing life. She's just a young woman. She's about to be married. She's betrothed to be to be married. You know, she'd be she'd be thinking about you know all the all the all the things that have to happen with with that process, getting married. You know, big deal. Doing life, just humble before God. Obviously, in a right place before God in her heart to Him, and then suddenly. Gets a visit from an angel. <laughs> gets a visit from an angel. Suddenly. Suddenly gets a visit. There are many, you know, there are many testimonies of, of, of angelic visitation. You know, we've heard a little bit about um, a little bit about that. And do you know I think we're gonna hear more. 
because they're going to be people who are going to have angelic visitations. There are people who have, but it's going, to, it's going to continue. I think it's going to ramp up because, you know, it's, um, we're, we're heading to that, um, to that point where uh, things are getting serious <laughs> in a good way. Yeah, in a good way. So that was Mary. What about Joseph? Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Now the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. That's a problem. She's not married. That's a problem. In that time, if there was something natural that had occurred there and Mary found herself in that spot, according to the law, she's gone. Not, no, 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 no. Then Joseph, her husband, <laughs> being a just man. Is that important before God? <laughs> being a just man. What's that say? An upright man. Upright. Up. God sees everything. He knows everything we're doing. And uprightness in heart before him is, 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 is so precious. This man was upright. Then Joseph, her husband, being an upright man and not wanting to make her a public example was minded to put her way, uh, away secretly. He's thinking, okay, this is an issue. This is not good for Mary and not good for me, but it's not good for Mary. We're just going to quietly you know, do something. And... Yeah. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph... Son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary uh, to you, Mary, your wife. For that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she shall bring forth a son, and you shall name him Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. For all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took to him Mary, his wife. <laughs> and, and he did not know her until he had brought forth the uh, firstborn son and they called him Jesus. So what was Joseph doing? Joseph was doing life. He was, he was looking forward to marriage to this Young lady. And then, whoa, curveball. He didn't, didn't see that one coming. And, uh, and he's working out in his own mind, what, what are we going to do here? What, what's, what's a way out of this? And then suddenly <laughs> he gets a visit. Suddenly he gets that dream. Suddenly that, the, the plan of God is, is made a little bit clear to him. And if we go on, back in Luke, Luke chapter 2. All those people, they're just doing life. They're doing, 
All the people, we've got to understand, all the people in Scripture, they're normal, everyday, knockabout people. They're no different than you and me. They are people. They are God's creation. They had their, they had their issues. They had the things they got right. They had the things they got wrong. They had their life and they were doing life. And suddenly, Luke chapter 2, <laughs> Luke chapter 2, verse 25. Now, this was a time where um, Joseph and Mary brought Jesus to the temple to do all those things that the, um, the law um, said to do with little people. And verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout. Bit of a pattern here. (laughs) People have got their... their, They're walking with God. They're doing the best. This is Old Testament. They're they're doing the best they can. They're walking with God. They're just and devout. Waiting for the consolation of Israel and the Holy Spirit was upon him. He was, wait, he was waiting with expectation. He was waiting because he had a promise. Let's read that. <clears throat> and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. Now, from that, from this passage, you, gotta, you think, well, this fellow's, um, he might be fairly well advanced in age. Okay? And I don't know how long he'd had that promise but he was waiting with expectation to see what God was going to do. Are we waiting with expectation? Are we waiting, living daily, right before God, waiting for what God is going to do? So he had this promise that he would see the Lord's Christ. So, it, so he came by the Spirit into the temple. Holy Spirit, go to the temple. Right, go to the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, (laughs) Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace (laughs) according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation which you prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. (laughs) So what was Simeon doing? He was doing life. He was doing life. He was walking with the Holy Spirit. He was being directed by the Holy Spirit. And then suddenly... The promise that he had received was fulfilled. Same, same time, just a little bit further down, Luke 36. And now there was one Anna, <laughs> a prophetess, a daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was of great age and had lived with a husband seven years from her virginity, and this woman was a widow of about 84 years of age. 84 years, she was married seven years, that's, uh, that's, um, that's uh, 91 years 
let's say she was 16 when she got married because they did that sort of thing. Um, she's three figures. I mean, she's, she's of great age. And what'd she do? Who did not depart from the temple but served God with fastings and prayers and night and day. <laughs> That's what she did. That was her life. She was doing life serving God. And it doesn't matter what we're our occupation. It doesn't matter what we do. We can be doing life serving God. In anything that God has put before us, we can be doing life serving God. And this lady was doing that for a very, very long time. Oh, boy. Uh, and I've lost my spot, but I will find it. 84 years fasting, so. 38, thank you. And coming in, that instant she gave thanks to the Lord and spoke of him to all those who looked for the redemption of Jerusalem. She saw him. She recognized who this was <laughs> and spoke to all she came in contact with about who this was. My goodness. So she was doing life for a very, very long time. Does it seem sometimes like I've been doing, I've been a Christian for so long. I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting for God to, to do what he says he's going to do. Well, hello. This lady served in the temple for 84 years. Yeah? How many in Scripture served God looking for what God was doing and they ran out of years. They died with, that, with that, that promise not fulfilled, but it was actually fulfilled in their heart. By faith. By faith they believed. By faith they took that all the way to the end of their life, and then they experienced it. Great. They didn't miss out. Sometimes you think, oh, I'm going to miss out. You're not going to miss out. What Paul say? To live is, is value for you. To die is gain for me. Either way, win-win. Yeah. <laughs> and let's just go back a little bit because I, I love these guys. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 8. Now they were in the same country, shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flocks by night. That's what they did. They were doing life. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Fair enough. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be for all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Saviour who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths lying in a manger. And suddenly, <laughs> this, would, this would have been an experience. Hello, yeah? And suddenly, there was with the angel <laughs> a multitude of the heavenly host. Now... <laughs> In other scripture, in other scripture, other versions of the Bible, when it talks about the heavenly host, it talks about the God of heaven's armies. That's the host. 
They had the host there. And <laughs> angelic beings in God's army. Uh, that would have been um, uh, awe-inspiring, to say the least. Whew. Saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill to men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And, uh, and they did. And uh, in verse 17, Now when they had seen him, they, were, they made widely known the saying which was told to them concerning this child. <laughs> so, <laughs> now, these people, are, you know, they're, they're shepherds. They're shepherds. They're out with their sheep. They're doing life. They're just minding the sheep, minding their own business. And then suddenly... And then suddenly, they get this visitation. So Mary, Joseph, shepherds, Simeon, Anna, all doing life. All doing life. All had some part in this true story of Jesus' arrival. And all had their everyday life punctuated by a suddenly from God. John fifteen fifteen. John writes, No longer, this is Jesus speaking, No longer do I call you servants, for a servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all things that I have heard from my father I have made known to you. That was a message to his disciples there. It's a message to us here, now. Are we open to what God is doing? You say, I can't see what God is doing. Well... Better ask him. Better get in close. Better push in and ask, Lord, what are you doing? What is my part in this? While we're doing our everyday. And then verse 16, he says, you did not choose me, but I chose you. So if you're here today and you've got Jesus Christ living in your heart, God chose you. You didn't choose him. He chose you. I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain, that whatsoever you ask in my name, he will, he will give you. That's a, pretty, that's a pretty weighty promise that we've been given. You did not choose me, but I chose you. He chose us. You know, there is, no, there is no place in our life for self-pitying nonsense.
And you know, from time to time, we all do it. Woe is me. Woe is me. We put that stuff aside. Say, okay, this is where I am. Lord, this is where you've put me. What do you want me to do? What do you want me to do? You know, the best way to get out of self-pity is to look for somebody, look to somebody that you can help. Look to somebody that you can bless. Do something outside of yourself or somebody else. You know, that cuts that thing off at the knees. I don't feel like it. Well, just do it and let your feelings catch up. The scripture says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Yeah? Yeah? Draw near to God. Now, listen to that first bit. Draw near to God. That's a command, not a suggestion. Draw near to God is a command. And he will draw near to you. The second part's not a possibility, it's a promise. Okay, so we've got a command that comes with a promise, not a suggestion that comes with a possibility. And, you know, sometimes I think in the body of Christ, in the, in, in the church world, that, that that's how we, we look at it. We, think, we look at it as, oh, yeah, well, let's, let's, yeah, we could do that and this might happen. As opposed to, well, that's God's, that's what you've said and this is what will happen. <laughs> Be it to you according to your faith. John 16, verse 13. When he, Jesus speaking again, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Who's he going to speak to? He's going to speak to the one, the ones that have ears to hear, that have, have given their heart over to him, not kept any rooms separate. You know, Lord, you can have all my heart except this little bit over here. doesn't work. That doesn't work. It's, it is, in fact, it is all, or it might as well be Nothing. Oh, that's a bit extreme. Is it? No, it's not. It's all or nothing. You can have all of me, Lord. And if we if we're true with that, it will be it will be all. Now we'll we'll have our we'll have our we'll have our good days and bad days, we'll have our ups and downs. It's you know, Jeff like Jeff was saying, it's the it's the brushwood that, that you know we allow him to burn up, and that's a continual process. That's fine. That's fine, just so long as we're in that process and we, we don't take ourselves out of the, out of the, um, you know, out of the firing line of, of, of what God's doing. But there will be suddenlies in our life. You know, we'll be doing, all, we'll be doing our thing, and then suddenly... 
My expectation is that those suddenlies are not far away. Those suddenlies are going to be significant and those suddenlies are going to change the, the trajectory of, of, of our life. Are you ready for that? Are you ready for God to do a suddenly? Are you ready for him? Do you want God to intervene in the everyday knockabout life and just, ooh, yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. You know, we could look through the... And, and, and really, look, all those scriptures that I've used, they're before the cross. Now, Jesus was saying what was going to come after with the direction leading, being led by the Holy Spirit. Well, that's, all these are people without the Holy Spirit living within them, without Jesus living in their heart. Wow. That actually means that the, the, the potential for what God can do with us is, is, is elevated. It's greater. It is a greater measure. Because we are in that time where the grace of God is available for us to walk in. Now, I said available. We've, we've actually got to agree with what God says for us to be able to walk in the fullness of the grace that he's, that he's put before us. And you think, well, that's a challenge. Oh, yeah. It's a decision, isn't it? It's a daily decision that we make. So, you know, there, there are things... There are things coming. There are, it's, like a, it's a bit like a chessboard, I suppose. You know, you can see moves being made. You can see moves, God making moves in this city. He's making moves amongst um, uh, uh, church leadership. I, I was saying this morning that, um, that you know, there's, there's, there is one river, but that river is, is fed by, by streams, multiple streams. It's what God is doing. He's rising, he's raising the, the, the river, he's raising the, the water level in all these separate streams. What are they going to do? They're going to run into a river. We need to be upholding in prayer what God is doing in this city. Different ministries in this city, we need to be upholding them. You know, Jeff was saying, don't have a word of condemnation. If you don't understand certain things, okay, fine. You know, there are certain, there are certain practices that different church groups have in worship. Some of them I get, some of them I don't. But I'm not going to allow that to be something that... that, that is a separation between that, that, that spirit of unity that, that God is developing. We are all part of this. Every one of us is a part of this. You think, well, what am I part of? What, what? Every, every ligament, every joint, every, every cell in the body is important. And what are we to do then? Do life. Do life. 
what God has put in front of you? Have your heart open to God? And be willing to allow his Holy Spirit to lead you. If we do those things, just those things, then the timing is God's. The timing of the suddenly is God's. We do our our part, God will do his part. There is revival coming to this city. It, 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 it won't be, it, you know, things have happened before and it's been a little, little thing here or a little thing there and, and, you know, three weeks later you've forgotten about it. The, the, what God is going to do is, it's not going to be, nobody's going to be able to hide it. It, can't, it will not be hidden. It will be so evident. It will be so impacting. And I believe it's going to come suddenly. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Oh, Lord, I thank you. (laughs) Lord, I thank you that everything is in your hand. Your timing is perfect. Lord, you know the end from the beginning. And Lord, you see every heart. And Lord, you know, there's, there are things that we, you know, sometimes we look and we say, oh, I don't understand. And, and Lord, that's all right, because as we have faith and put our trust in you, we know that your timing is perfect. Lord, I thank you for the encouragement we get from your word. Lord, so, so many times, time and time again, when things look bleak, suddenly you would intervene. And Lord, there are so many in this world, there are so many in this city that have no vision, they have no hope. But Lord, you've put your church in this city and Lord, you've said that we have that ministry of reconciliation. So Father, we just want to be used by you So, Lord, in your timing, we submit to your timing. Lord, we'd like it to be now, (laughs) but we submit to your timing. Lord, as we keep our hearts right before you and, and, and desire the leading of your spirit to be that which, which, which motivates and guides us, Lord, as we do those things, Lord, we leave the timing of the suddenly in your hands. But Lord, we ask, (laughs) come quickly, Lord Jesus. (laughs) Hallelujah. 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 Amen. 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 We're going to have... um, communion in a moment but I'm going to um, if uh, if our if our visitor from uh, from the Solomons Stephen have you got anything that you'd like to, to share as a word of encouragement this morning to you?
It is putting you on the spot, isn't it? Yeah, we, we, had, um, we had a relationship with, uh, with the Church and the Solomons, Church of the Living Word. Yeah. Still Church of the Living Word? Living Word. Living, Living Word Fellowship. Yeah. yeah. So we um, went over there a number of times in the uh, early 2000s. 2003. Three, five, seven and nine. Yeah. <laughs> it's been a long time since we've yeah. been back. Yeah. <laughs> So um, Pastor Alfred is um, um, is uh, still pastor of the church. Yeah, he's a senior pastor. Senior pastor of the church, and uh, Stephen's doing some things out out here. So you can tell us what you're doing, Stephen. All right, thank you so much, uh, Pastor <laughs> Tim and uh, Pastor Jeff, for the opportunity. Uh, well, my coming this morning uh, just driving by, having a uh, game with the Socceroos this morning, cheering on the Socceroos. But, you know, the Argentina is probably, maybe it's their time. Or, <laughs> but uh, we were cheering on this morning for the Socceroos this morning and just driving by. I, before I came here, um, um, my friend Warwick, um, he's been to the Solomons, and um, that's how we connect with the 40 stories. And I was, he was take, uh, f filming and, and taking my story to share uh, with everyone. Everybody, I guess everybody has a story to tell. And your story matters. Your story has, um, you know, suddenly yeah. in it that needs to be shared. And it could be a blessing to, to everyone. So, um, before I came in, I know that I'm coming to, coming to Melbourne and I thank God for the 40 stories. I'm part of the 40 stories with Warwick and I'm so blessed that um, they able to bring me here. And I believe, I think Pastor Jeff and Pastor Tim, I, th I think I believe that it's not a mistake I came because it's been so long. Mm. Yeah, um, my, my, my late mom was here, but now in 2012 she passed. She's now in heaven. And before I came, I, Warwick was telling me on the email that we will be coming down to Bendigo uh, for, to get some s stories. Um, because back home, I'm, I'm more of a filmmaking, filmmaker back home. And I work with the government, but during the COVID, I felt God to, I felt in my heart that, you know, I need to uh, get a new chapter, yeah. get, get something, uh, follow the Lord, the calling, what God is. I believe it was the sudden listing. Yeah. Yeah, so God shifted me, and now I'm doing full-time. Uh, I'm helping with my dad. So I am sort of a, the associate pastor right now. I don't see myself as a pastor, but I'm helping my dad right now at the church <laughs> at Coronation uh, in, in Chinatown. Tim knows about it, and Carol. Um, yeah, so coming over, I said, I think I'll take work. If we have the opportunity, I'd love to come past and say hello to our friends at 
Creek Street Fellowship here. Uh, I think you, our family, uh, all our young people has been here. Now they are all, yeah, they're all grown up and they're all in, in their own uh, world, whether in business or in, yeah, so. Well, I have, I have four kids and, and one is with the Lord. So I have two girls right now and one son. Mm. Yeah, so, well, just, just to leave something um, here, I'm, I'm so glad that I can able to come and reconnect uh, um, with Marion and, yeah, knowing I was here and the, and, and the boys in, in Brisbane connect with me and I, and I didn't tell them that I'm here, but after I will tell them <laughs> that I can't pass the family at Greek Street. Yeah, so um, before I came, we have an, I think you have heard, we have a suddenly, yeah, before I came, and uh, one of our friends has got, emailed me, I heard about this earthquake, yeah, we have a very big earthquake in the islands, it was the first time to, to, to uh, happen in Guadalcanal, after a long time. 7.3, it's big, yeah? 7.3, I was, I was in the home and my, my two-year-old was sleeping and we were living downstairs. There's a two-story building. Um, then suddenly, <laughs> the earthquake shake the whole building and we thought that it was just a, you know, just, it's gonna be just a small one, but it is very big. Mm. Yeah, in, in back then in 2000, in, I guess it's 2012 or in the Western province where the tsunami hits. Yeah, the 7.3 is quite big for us. Um, so, you know, that wakes us up um, for us, uh, for us believers in the city of Honiara just to wake us up and to know where we are, a check us, to, to give us a checkup. Yeah. Hey, are you, are you standing right? Are you connecting right? Are, mm. you, are you thinking straight? Are you fo in focus? Yeah. So I think I believe we all living in a, I believe a lot of preachers call the unprecedented times. Mm. So I believe God is, doing the suddenness now, that's, that's why I'm feeling a 7.3. And for the, for the whole week, it was shaking for the whole week. Mm. So most of our families, we don't live in the house. We just sleep under the house. Or we just sleep on the, under the leaf house because we don't know what will happen. Mm. So the fear of um, taking things and living normally didn't, it was, you know, it puts us out of, of our comfort zone. Yeah, so just want to confirm the word mm. that God is doing his shaking. <laughs> and when we, uh, sometimes we can be, you know, stubborn in our own ways. Yeah. So he can come suddenly with a big shake. <laughs> and I believe the the islands are feeling it. Yeah. Yeah, so, well, 
I'm, I'm so thankful that I'm here this morning just to um, thank you for the seeds of prayer that you have shown over the years and we have seen the harvest. And I believe my timing here is not a mistake, mm. but we're here to reconnect again and, and I'm part of the 40 stories and um, all we do is we, uh, we, we, it's called Jesus-led filmmaking. <laughs> we follow what Jesus said. And yeah. If Jesus said, you go that way, we go. Yep. And we, we produce and we uh, just take stories of people. And their stories will impact others. Yeah. So that's what I was doing now. And I'm part of uh, Warwick and the team. Uh, Monday, I'll be, we will be driving back to Melbourne. And next week... I will fly back home. So I'll be here just for two weeks. Wow. Yeah. Never know. Never know. Never know. This <laughs> is part of my suddenly as well. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So thank you, family. Bless you. And I'm so glad that I, 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 I passed by this morning just to reconnect with you. Thank Amen. you very much. Thank you, Steve. Thank you. If you haven't got communion yet, now's a good time to grab that. Jesus introduced communion as a way for his disciples to remember his death and sacrifice. At its core, communion is a celebration, remembrance, and proclamation of Christ's death. I'm just going to read Luke chapter 22 from verse 14. When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table, and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it. He gave it to them saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I just love the, I was going to say simpleness. It's really not a simple mm. <laughs> sacrifice that Jesus did, but just the remembrance of what we can do to remember that. Yeah. Um, so the Passover meal was celebrated every year by the people of Israel to remember their deliverance from the slavery of Egypt. In his Last Supper with his disciples, Jesus symbolically reinterprets this meal with a deeper understanding and purpose of his death. Jesus' sacrificial death brings us deliverance from the slavery of sin. 
Jesus broke bread at Passover, signifying the sacrifice of his sinless life on our behalf. Bread is a source of life and sustenance. Mm. Jesus described himself as the bread of life in John chapter 6, verse 48. When we believe in Jesus, we partake of his sinless life, and with Christ in us, we live forever. The cup represents the blood of the lamb. His sacrifice takes away the sin of the world and preserves us from the death and righteous judgment for our sin, which Mm. we deserve. It is a cup of redemption because the blood of Jesus paid the price of our salvation. Through this new covenant, it is unconditional and undeserved. It is a covenant of grace made possible through the through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross. It's just the awe of that when you actually stop and visualise the bread, Jesus, the bread for us and the cup of blood. Just me visualising that is just so overwhelming in my heart that Jesus did that for every single person here. He loves us that much. Um, So why don't we take the bread? I can get mine out. If you want to stand, you can. (laughs) Jesus, we thank you that you are the bread of life. Yes, thank you, Lord, we thank you through your broken body that we are made whole, that we can take on your sinless life, Lord. Oh, yes. Father God, we just thank you that we can live forever through you and your sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's eat. Father God, we thank you. Oh, that's my watch. Father God, we just thank you for your blood that was so freely poured out for us. Yeah. Father God, we thank you that your blood covers all our sins. Mm. We thank you that we can be made right with you through your blood. And Jesus, we are just eternally thankful, Lord, for your sacrifice. Yes, thank we thank you that every day we can take we can take communion, Lord, and we can remember your blood on that cross. And Lord, we are just so grateful, Father God, that we have this avenue, Lord, to be set right with you and be in relationship with you. Yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Let's drink. Oh, yes, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. It's not morning anymore. It was a good morning, though. Um, just quickly, um, just some announcements.